Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another episode here on GEMS Podcast. With me in the hot seat today is Eleanor Moshe, and let me tell you a little bit about Eleanor. So Eleanor Moshe is an ambitious and driven thought leader, best-selling author, podcast host, and businesswoman, disrupting the construction industry. She's the founder of the Construction Coach, Australia's first construction coach. As the podcast host of Constructing You, Eleanor interviews exemplary exemplary leaders and industry titans who dominate construction businesses. She is the two-time best-selling author of Constructing Your Career and Leadership in Construction. She ties her distinctive thinking, uncommon insights with over eight years experience in the commercial construction industry to generate transformative and exceptional results to her clients. Eleanor has been featured in Passion Vista, Yahoo, Finance, Australian National Construction Review, and over 50 podcasts discussing her career and business acumen. She holds a Master's of Construction Management and Bachelor of Environments from the University of Melbourne. So without further ado, please welcome Eleanor Moshe. Thank you very much for having me and good morning. My pleasure, Eleanor. So um, I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun and personal way. And I'd like to do that by giving you two options. We can do an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. Let's do rapid fire. Okay. We're doing rapid fire with Eleanor and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question number one. What is your favorite food? I cannot say anything, but anything Israeli. So anything that falls under the hummus, the falafel, that is always food that makes me happy. Question number two, favorite color? Red. Okay, yeah. So red lipstick, you have red nails. (laughs) Question three, dream car, dream home, or both? both question four if you could hop in a time machine and give your younger self a piece of advice what would it be listen to no one but yourself you're the best person who knows what it is that is best for you five if you could interview any celebrity on your podcast that is making a significant impact who would it be maybe not a celebrity but i would have a lot of questions right now for nikola tesla okay Question six, Mm. you just hit the lottery and to get the rest of your proceeds, you must donate to three charities of your choice. What charities are you contributing to? Anything around animals or children. Okay. Question seven, coffee, tea, or neither? Tea. Question eight, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person, past or present, who would it be? Oh, good question. Past again, I probably have a lot of questions for Nikola Tesla at the moment, so I'll pick him. Question nine. 
If you could recreate any significant moment in your life, what would it be? That's a great question. Mm. Interesting question. Significant moment. I mean, they become so cherished memories and they are that because you were truly present and, and lived in lived in the moment. I'm not really sure about that one. Might have just come back to that at the end. Okay. And then question 10, it's our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, our rules are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? I'll play. Okie dokie. So has there ever been a time in your life where you've done something crazy and you couldn't imagine that you actually did it after the fact? I'm not, by, by sheer nature, I'm always quite a serious and relatively reserved person. As crazy as it was, I would have to say it was something along the lines of when I was 21 and you stayed up all night in a foreign country and you watched the sunrise. I don't know if that's crazy, but that's probably the the longest, the, the craziest stretch by my imagination. And also when I was traveling that same Euro trip, it's quite a while ago now, I took a train to see my favorite brand and I stood in the absolute summer pouring rain in the front row to watch one of my favorite bands in the whole world. So maybe not crazy, but in my world, that's definitely out there from the, from the norm. <laughs> and then just going back to the question that you passed on. So what would that significant moment in your life be that you want to recreate? You know, it's always a pleasure to spend time with family overseas and to just be out of the routine. So I think any time that I've really truly traveled and to be more present when you're traveling and experiencing other places, other people, they're, they're quite important events. So maybe I could go back into one of the travel moments in time with family. Amazing. And thank you for playing rapid fire with Genesis. <laughs> Now we're going to segue into the meat and potatoes of our conversation. I know you have a new book out called Young Gun, but I want to know what made you get involved in the construction industry that is a male-dominated field. And sometimes when you are a minority from the aspect of being a woman in a male-dominated field, sometimes you have to work twice as hard to really be seen as well as heard. And that's a common misconception. And that's, I thought that that had to be the actual way that the, that would be the only way I could succeed in my career. And for a very long time in the construction industry, and the observation is correct, women are the minority. But for a very long time, what I was doing in the industry was internalizing external limitations because of my gender. My gender is not a qualifier of success. And because I was holding on to these limiting beliefs, like, you, there's a ceiling you have to do this because of a woman this you need to emulate people around you you will never be able to earn as much as you want I was actually leaving an insane amount of opportunity on the table because I was playing the same game as everyone else in the industry and when I started opening my mind up to different worlds such as the creators world such as the entrepreneurial world I realized that Women who created their own pathway, who created their own career based on their own terms, were never talking about the common issues that women in corporate were. And I thought something doesn't make sense here. So what I did, I said, you know what, I'm just going to park these beliefs for a while. And I'm just going to see 
if I can do what I want to do in my career without falling into the common narrative. Later on, only did I realize that if everyone is going and thinking in a certain direction, always go the other way. That's just a rule of thumb in life now. And I started then doing exactly what I wanted to do and following my own trajectory in the industry. And because I did that, I was able to do just that, be seen and be heard. But most importantly, have a career that is completely in alignment with what I want to do and who I am. And there is no ceiling because we live in a world where we create. If I want to see something happen in my life, I need to have the mindset and the skill set available to make that happen. I'm not at the behest of other people. And this is where most people, and not just women, most people who approach their career, they take such the conventional route. They have an over-reliance on technical skills, yet they want extraordinary outcomes. And it doesn't work that way. So I had a great turning point where I stopped falling into the common beliefs and the more beliefs that weren't serving me that I was able to shake off the further that I was able to go. But in terms of how I found myself in the construction industry, I did my bachelor's degree in architect in architecture. And at first I had the grandiose ideas that I would be the architect dressed in black and, and roll up to sites and tell them what to do. But little did I realize what was actually involved in order to achieve that. And whilst I am a creative person, I'm not a creative person in that typical drawing and design way. And I realized that I'm much more of a structured, process-orientated person. I still like to create with the thinking and the conventional knowledge that I had at the time. I said, I'll go to a master's degree. And I looked at all the different prospects and it was by sheer process of elimination. And it was a roll of the dice between construction and property that I found myself in a master of construction. And I vividly remember 15th of March, 2013, I was sitting there in the class and I said, look, I did not do a great job at my architecture degree. I'm going to be I'm going to give this degree a real chance to succeed. So I was front row. I was listening. And I realized, look, women aren't the, are the minority. And that already starts getting you to think in different directions, which is not necessarily, as I was saying, a good thing. And the construction world I found to be everything that I was truly fascinated by and curious by come the built environment. I love, I love beautiful spaces. I always have. And I love that process of creation. And that's what I really loved about working on project delivery was that you were creating something out of nothing and you had to become an extremely skilled person in order to make that happen. And then the rest is history pretty much. Awesome. And I love that you, you know, were intentional. I love that you learned from what you didn't do right uh, in the architecture degree. And you said, you know what, I'm going to stick, stick a fork in the ground. I'm going to remain steadfast and I'm going to give this my all. I also love that you navigated your own career. You were, you weren't waiting for somebody to tap you on the shoulder. You were really drumming to your own beat and creating a lane for yourself because so many times people are waiting for someone to give them permission to be in the rightful place when it comes to their career. But if you would just kind of take a step back and see what skill sets you have, how you can be an asset versus a liability and how you can add value, then you begin to chart your own territory and really navigate your journey. So 
for a young person that may be interested in construction, what are some of the tips that you would give them to break into it? In order to break into the industry, first of all, don't come into the industry because you think it's high paying, because you think it's sexy. It's not a sexy industry. There is nothing sexy about a concrete pour. There is nothing sexy about following up the same paperwork, same time every single year. It's not a glamorous industry. And this is where people go wrong. They think that it's, you know, they'll be the, again, the person who sits in a glamorous office and whatnot. No, you work on site if you do if you do decide to work in front on project delivering. But what's most important is that you don't let the industry decide for you what you want to become as a person, but also what you want to work as, as a function. And this is where people, again, aim for conventional titles. They're the ones building their own ceiling. So first and foremost, think not what do I need to follow in this industry, meaning what convention you know, do I have to become a project manager by 30? Absolutely not. Who said that? But that is also the common goal. I had that goal. And the moment that I released that goal, a whole new world of opportunity opened up. So stepping into the industry, actually think, what is it that I love doing? Let's not look at it from a job title. Let's not look at it from, I want to work for the biggest crane with the tallest tower, which is where people also generically follow because they think that's the only way to have a career in construction so it comes down to that question what do you want then once you have identified what do you want find people who have the results that you are wanting to achieve and network with them in the construction industry relationship equity is key it is worth more than financial equity and it's like that anywhere relationships are the only thing that truly open doors so work strategically from the outset to build that network and this is where a lot of people actually constantly find themselves at the behest of is not having a network when they need it and that's why they always have to go hunting instead of being headhunted and then what we also find is that people wanting to get into the industry they go about it in the same generic way as everyone else but expect a different outcome all the same. And it doesn't work that way. You can't just blindly apply online and expect your dream job to come into your lap. If it was that easy, everyone, well, everyone is doing it because it's easy, but it never yields the desired outcome. So in order to be a standout into the industry, you need to, again, think, if everyone is going in this direction, how can I go in another direction? What can I strategically do to stand out so that I'm not invisible to the marketplace and that I'm not receiving another email that says, unfortunately, because what happens is you know, that that same email, unfortunately, unfortunately, and what people are then doing is doing the same thing again. So I constantly see people locked into that same cycle and they think with just enough time and dumb luck, I'll get what I want. But that is a very lax approach to one's career and Whilst you may strike dumb luck in the first instance, it's not the strategy to win over 60 years.
I love that because I also came from a male dominated industry. So I was in oil and gas for 12 years, which is very <laughs> male driven. And one of the way I tell people is follow what your passion is, which should be tied to your purpose. Don't just follow the dollar signs, because if you're following the dollar signs, you're going to lose sight of your focus. And then also have that thought leadership, like what makes you a an effective leader? What makes you stand out? What's your wild card factor? And what positions you in a good place? And then I love how you talked about um, relationship equity, because networking is so key. And I'm sure we've all heard the term, your network is tied to your net worth. So if you know who's around your circle and how you can add value to those individuals, but how can those individuals add value back to you? How can you really create those synergies? How can you go further together by collaborating and really building a steady um, foundation and a partnership and just really have that sweat equity because nothing in life comes easy. So you definitely have to work hard at it and hard work surely pays off. And that brings me to your book, Young Gun. So I want you to hold up your book and talk about the inspiration behind this book, because this is your third one. And I'm yes. sure it's packed with lots of gems. It, you know, right. I'm really proud of this book. This is a book that I was always meant to write. And it's a, a book that was seeded through many different observations through my podcast when I first started interviewing exemplary leaders and, and industry titans. Some were very young, early 30s, early 30s, and they had this five-year-old thriving company. And I started realizing, hang on, there's something very unconventional about these people. They have done something very different in order to have something like that. That is a huge achievement only in their early 30s. They've done something right. And I would see more and more of these young, you know, early 30 people have these companies. And then after a while in corporate, I moved back from the construction site back into the office for the first time in five years. And it was sensational to not have to have everything covered in dust. That was an experience within itself. But what I realized was that we had these young people. They were hired for all the right reasons. And for the whole day, they would sit there mute in front of their computer. Not that they wouldn't even talk to seniors because I understand the intimidation factor, but even between themselves. And I kept on thinking, this can't be the dream. Is this their dream? They come into the industry with this burning passion to disrupt. I want to disrupt. I have ideas. And then within three months, the confidence is gone. They're muted. They're not asking questions. They're not going up to anyone within the business they stop doing anything outside of work because of the demands of work or whatever was happening within work. And none of this made sense. And even when I started my corporate career, sure, I was shy, but I wasn't a mute. And yes, I didn't know what to do, but I would still ask a question. And that question would lead to so many other questions. And I teamed this with the questions that I would get from my clients when they start working industry when they started working in, in any sort of capacity. And it was a shock to the system and a slam in the face. And they would be asking me these questions. Eleanor, my manager is playing politics with me. That's my words. They didn't know that it was politics. So young people coming into the industry, 
all of a sudden have inadequate, they're subject to inadequate management. They're subject to inadequate leaders who are already playing politics with them and they don't know what to do. They have management who are giving them priorities at four o'clock and it's due on Friday, but they forgot all the other priorities that they were already given to them. A young gut doesn't actually know what to do. How do they manage up? They don't know how to write an email to a stakeholder. They don't know how to talk on the phone. There's so many things that they have no mindset and no skill set to actually develop and to learn the rules of the game in order to win at the game. That took me years of experience and slaps in the face and making mistakes and putting my hand in the fire. And what I realized is that young people coming in, if they don't have a mentor and if they don't have that lottery luck of having a really good team with really good people who show them the ropes, who take the time to teach them, well, you can't rely on luck. And not many people, it's, it's a one in 10 chance that that will happen within an organization. But for everyone else, there is no one teaching you the high performance principles of success. No one's teaching you the unconventional career advice. And no one's telling you what the high standards of the industry are. Because also what happens, people come in and they see other people cutting corners, other people being lazy, other people being inadequate. And then I, I see this from clients. They're thinking, well, hang on, do I have to do anything more than them? Because they're not doing anything. So then they drop their standards and the industry keeps on locking in, locking itself in to mediocre standards. What kind of industry are we actually constructing if this is just the experience Within the first six months, everything that I've mentioned can happen just within six months. How is this then perpetuated over, over years? And then what kind of leaders are we then having in 10 years from now? Because the problems that we have in the industry today is not just, they didn't happen overnight. It's been seeded from the management, from the leadership and management from 10 years ago. So if we are creating the same, the same type of person, what's going to happen in 10 years from now. So I you know, went through a transition period in my own life come October last year. And it was a consequence of sitting in reflection of, I wanna write a third book. I didn't have the intention to write two this year, but I said, I wanna write a third book, guide me, what could it be? Mix that in with my prime time of not sleeping. And the name Young Gun came to me. And then I started thinking about all these you know, things like isolated concepts I want to cover, like detail, like sight life, like A for ambition. And I thought, what's the structure? And then it came to me that it's an A to Z guide. And it was a very easy book to read, because uh, to write, because it was also a cathartic experience to lock away my corporate career as I, as I stepped into the full-time world of entrepreneurship. But it was to truly examine what is the pain that young people experience and they're not set up for success that they need to know about. And that's how Young Gun came into fruition. I love it. And hold up the book again. And so I could really pay attention to the artwork. So Young Gun. Okay. And I see you with the, with your power pose. You have black on. Um, the color of the book is yellow and black. And hold it up again. Let and tell me if I'm missing any other details. Uh, matte gold, matte gold, and and black. That's certainly certainly the brand color. And yeah, I've gone for that Art Deco old money 
kind of feel but with a modern with a modern spin on it it would have been cool to see you with a hard hat because then I would know that we could kind of cater to your background in construction and then with gun with young gun like maybe just blowing off the dust off a gun or blowing off the dust <laughs> off of something because like it's like you're you're shiny and polished, but you're not afraid to get dirty and down in the trenches to get the work done. And then whenever the work is done, you go back to that prim and polish. Quite the quite the juxtaposition. Yeah, look, I've never been averse to getting in the trenches and and doing the the dirty work. But yeah, don't think I'll I'll ever wear a hard hat on a cover. It's uh, not part of the brand. Part of the business, not part of not part of the brand. I'll stick to the red red bottoms. <laughs> So um, since the book has been out, what type of feedback have you gotten? I was absolutely blessed to have a in-person book launch and I did it up in Sydney last Monday already. Time flies. And having both the leadership in the room, ambitious leaders and also young guns, they, they're saying that this is the book that I've always needed. I cannot wait to read this. And they were talking to me about scenarios that they're facing at work. And I was very glad that I was able to be like, okay, this is the letter that you need. It was, it's a very relevant book for them. And it's also speaking to that small percentage of the industry who want to achieve because not many people do, and that's fine. It just means there's more opportunity for those who are willing to take the unconventional way so I haven't no one's read a book in a week so I'm still waiting um with bated breath to to actually get feedback from people it's like read faster <laughs> super cool and congratulations on this book and this journey and Eleanor is there anything else that I did not ask you that you think would add value to the conversation speaking from the perspective of young gun or being a woman in the construction industry, or just you just making that leap from employee to full-time entrepreneur? It comes down to one thing, do what you want. We have the responsibility to follow our internal guidance system, not the one set externally. Society does not want anything great for you. The average person around you also doesn't want anything great for you. You have to want things for yourself first, and then be in the bold and confident pursuit of your ambition. Otherwise, you are simply sacrificing and leaving behind so much opportunity and so much ability to have truly a grand experience at this life and create what you want. And then for those who are interested in learning more about your journey, what is your call to action for them? Of course, you can pick up any one of my three books. Constructing Your Career Leadership in Construction or Young Gun. My podcast is Constructing You. And you can also connect with me on social media. I'm at Eleanor Moshe underscore on Instagram and Eleanor Moshe on LinkedIn. And for those of you, Moshe is spelled M as in Mary, O as in open, S as in Sarah, H as in Henry, E as in Edward. I will have all of your contact information in the show notes. Eleanor. And I want to thank you so much for just coming on and sharing your background and dropping some gems for those who are interested in just really being a 
a breakthrough, powerful force to be reckoned with and just really come into that full ownership of really being who they were created to be and not living in the shadows of someone else or in the limelight of others. And audience, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see this video over on our YouTube channel by typing at gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, I want to thank each one of you for continuing to support the guests that I bring on, as well as the mission behind the show, which is to bring content that is educational, inspirational, and motivational, while we also weave in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it takes all of us coming together to make this world a better place. So until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems g-e-m-s with w-i-t-h genesis g-e-n-e-s-i-s amaris a-m-a-r-i-s kemp k-e-m-p at gmail.com where your brand your swag your services can be here on gems podcast